Welcome to the Expats in Dubai show, your home for deeper news, behind the scenes and real life stories. Hey everybody, it's Amber Wahid and welcome to the Expats in Dubai show. Hello, so glad you're with me, so glad you're listening. And I thought I'd start by telling you why I'm here, right? What am I doing here? And the reason is I am deeply concerned. I'm deeply concerned specifically about the state of the financial advisory industry and how it is impacting us, the investors, the consumers. At the moment, we have real trust problems with this industry. It's unlike anything I have ever seen before. And I feel like it has abandoned any semblance of objectivity and goodwill. And it's really frustrating. My story is that I was duped out of investing the equivalent of $80,000 into investment funds that I thought would be low risk. Instead, my financial advisor, who ran an unlicensed and unregulated firm, invested my money into riskier alternatives in order to generate large amounts of commission for himself. As my story gained momentum in the local community and in the media, more and more people came forward with similar stories at the hands of other advisors. And that's when I realized that financial advisory fraud is a frustrating universal problem. And crucially, it affects almost half of the experts in the Middle East, where investors, after pouring money into investments for large lengths of time and with continuous contributions and assurances, are left with nothing. And the rogue financial advisors and financial companies are left with everything. And it was happening way too often, with no punishment whatsoever. It had become a joke, an open crime. And the sad truth is that for a certain group of people, financial advisory fraud is now so normal, so utterly unremarkable, that they feel that they can do it wherever and whenever they please, without the slightest sense of embarrassment or accountability. And when I was investigating my advisor and what on earth he had done with my money, I really needed to have honest information about this industry. And the truth was, I trusted no one to give it to me straight. Not my advisor, not the financial institutions he had partnered up with, the fund managers, and not even the different jurisdictions and regulators around the world. I realized that none of them had my best interest. And I was lucky I got my money back. But thousands of investors have not been lucky. And here's why I care about this. First of all, I've gone through the experience of losing hard-earned money. That's our money. That's our sweat in the office. That's us putting up with crazy bosses and doing without so we can save for our future that our advisors have been playing Russian roulette with to fund their own lifestyle. So I know what it feels like to lose your savings. And secondly, a question that is always asked is, how do people fall for these scams? And I tell you, it's a glittering victim list. That includes lawyers and engineers, managers and and regional heads. And this is what makes all these stories all the more extraordinary. It's not like the rogues prey on particularly soft, credulous targets. But it's down to, firstly, lack of education and awareness of the industry and how it works. Combine that with advisors who purposely misadvise and missell for their own personal financial reward so the investor is inundated with misinformation and lack of transparency. Combine that with how the scheme is set up between the financial advisors and their financial partners and the planning that went into the way these partnerships were entered into. Then you understand how people 
become victims time and time again because we are up against a system we can never beat and is not designed to protect us, the investors, the consumers. And lastly, manipulation. Financial advisory fraud looks to be extremely complex in makeup and it can feel really overwhelming to try and understand all the nuance and how it happens. But when you break it down, you'll find it's actually not. It's simply manipulation against a backdrop where neither party can be held legally responsible. And then the smoke and mirrors are applied, which keep you trapped for so long in this financial incarceration, which is designed to make you finally just give up pursuing anyone. And as rogues continue to flood the market, there will be more and more victims of this type of crime. And I thought, you know what, I need to get deeper into the content and use different mediums to reach people with the objective of helping experts change their mindset around investing in order to help them feel confident and empowered about their savings by getting the right information to them and which my own stance will be to the listeners and to the facts. And when these types of cases are reported upon, We focus so much on the money aspect alone and the financial loss alone, but it has far-reaching effects. Perhaps the greatest crime rogues commit is not one that they will ever be arrested for or sued for, inducing years of paranoia. I'm talking about peace of mind, energy, self-confidence, trust in others. Money comes and goes, that doesn't. And hearing those stories, people's experiences has left a huge impact on me. And that's why I'm here. And as someone who has gone through this experience from A to Z and is still learning, I know how hard it is to find good information. Like you, I'm tired of expats leaving their moral compass back home. And I hope to be a place where you can come for information that you trust to give you the right answer. And I hope you'll stay along with us for the ride and get a lot of value from it. So in this series called The Great Fraud Fightback, we are going to deconstruct my book, my story. I'm going to share my experience on all things and important realizations I came to as I worked on my legal cases against the financial advisor and the financial service provider. And we're going to marry that with industry experts who will teach and inspire and share specific actionable bits of advice without overwhelming you too much at once. The fundamental principle is that to invest money wisely, we need to pick the right partners and the right products for us. The financial advisory industry is an industry of a zillion different products that are all regulated by the different product channels. And so insurance people talk about insurance stuff and investment people talk about investment stuff and so on. And we are going to get into all this stuff and just recognizing all the different pieces that go into that. So first, This episode is about me establishing the background to my case before we go into the details and bring in the experts. So why did I invest? Why is it important? Well, back in 2010, I had accumulated some savings and I didn't know what to do with it, where to put it. Because of the global financial crisis of 2008, interest rates fell and putting money in the bank no longer paid dividends. The property market was also affected and unstable as housing prices were plummeting. Like so many others, the priority is to save as much of our earnings as possible and invest them in a long-term future, whether that involves protection for ourselves, our families, school or university fees or a retirement home. So as savings were nil, I had to do something about the future and buy financial security. A monthly income alone was not going to give me that security. I had to consider investing. 
And that led to me turning to the financial advisory industry. And Neil Ramsey Pringle Grant was introduced to me as an independent financial advisor and recommended to me from a good friend I trusted explicitly. Grant arrived in Dubai with his wife in the 1990s from Scotland and with their four young boys, the family settled into the expat community. On the surface, they were a typical outgoing Scottish family. His wife was the Martha Stewart type and heavily involved in her charities and the kids' schools. And I felt I had this painting of Grant that he was this perfect family man with a perfect wife and perfect kids. He had written a couple of articles in the respected media publications offering expert advice on what people should do with their money. And I liked and preferred the fact that he was independent. You know, the big firms had too many people, too many heavyweights, too many accounts where you were simply a number to them. And I soon realized that most of my circle had signed up with Grant and had worked with him for years. He's very, very good, they said to me, extremely personable, very trustworthy, and they had known him for years. Their kids played with his kids. And so to me, Grant presented a trustworthy figure. There was no red flags, and I actually felt I was very lucky to ever be introduced to him. That's the reason I didn't think of checking Grant's background, or I never once thought of actually asking him for his credentials or trade license. I just assumed someone along the way had vetted him and that's why he was being referred around in my circle. In hindsight, yeah, a silly reason. So my first impression of him, well, I first met Grant at his offices, a rented office space in one of the prestigious business centres in our top hotel on Shakeside Road. Sessions would usually take place in one of the shared meeting rooms which Grant's admin assistant would book prior to your arrival. In hindsight, it meant that you never saw his office where normally the academic certificates and company licenses are hanging off the walls. You never saw his physical setup. And during the meeting, during the first meeting, I agreed to sign up to four different plans or financial products as they're called, not to be confused with investment funds. A financial product provides the platform where your various fund investments are held. I found that the best way to describe it is that a financial product is like renting a storage space and keeping all your boxes, your investment funds in it in one place. First, he advised me to open an offshore bank account, which at the time was called Anglo-Irish. Second, invest in a short-term five-year vision life insurance policy, a total of £10,000 of monthly installments over the five years. And thirdly, a long-term offshore trust in Jersey with Guardian Trust Company Limited. £50,000 was the minimum amount required to open such a trust. He also recommended some sort of pension policy back in the UK, £40,000 to put in there. And that never came to fruition due to an admin error on behalf of Grant's office. So I ended up, so the total amount I ended up investing with him was £60,000. That was my original investment. So to give you an idea of some of the type of investments that he was recommending to me for the Guardian Trust, he invested my money in New Earth Recycling, which is a waste removal fund, Brando, which is a student accommodation in the UK, Bamboo, an eco-friendly investment scheme in South America, Centurion, which is a life insurance settlement, Lucent, which is land purchase and planning fund. Initially, it all seemed to be going well. I was receiving the financial um, valuation statements every quarter, which I admittedly just looked at the bottom line, the overall value, is it up, is it down? And then I would just put it to a side. And I'm thinking all is going well and my future financial security is taken care of. And then a couple of years later, 
Suddenly, I'm losing a lot of money rapidly, and there's no rhyme or reason as to why, because the investment funds were meant to be low risk and long term. Some fluctuation was expected, but suspension and collapse of funds, how was that even possible? And I learned that I was one of several of his clients to suffer substantial losses. And we're talking about five and six figure losses, you know, kids' education, the university part, retirement and pension pots all disappearing. And initially, in the early conversations that we were all having individually with Grant, we had no reason to suspect him of anything, nothing suspicious. But he had no real intelligent explanation of why we were losing money. There was no science behind what he was saying and offering as a way of an explanation. I mean, due to the unstable market. What does that mean exactly? I'm expecting him to be more detailed than that, more informed. And so I wasn't suspicious of Grant at this point. I just felt he wasn't managing our finances well. You know, he's taking his eye off the ball and I wanted proper answers on the state of my investments. Initially, I thought there was no answer. You know, there there is nothing I can actually do about this. At the time, I didn't know how the financial advisory industry worked or how to describe it. I had zero experience on finance and local laws and of this world. I also had no relationships within it that I could call upon for advice. And this is what freezes people. If people are not educated about the issues and what their options are, they feel and they are powerless. That was the problem here. The only financial entity in Dubai that I was aware of was the Dubai Financial Services Authority, the DFSA. So I started there. I thought they could at least help to point me in the right direction, if there was one. And when I approached them, I had no idea what exactly I was pursuing. It was just a case of asking them, do you mind having a look at my portfolio? And then conversations with the local regulators, first with the DFSA and then with the insurance authority, was the pivotal point. That's when I learned that all these funds that I was in were all high-risk investment funds for short-term gains. The risk is that the funds can be suspended and illiquid at any given time. The funds that Neil Grant selected for me were startup companies. They were always going to be high-risk as you're investing in something new that has no history or record. You're looking for a Google in a haystack of billions. It was mind-blowing. Short-term, high-risk startup companies is exactly what I asked Grant not to invest my money in. And I learned that instead of placing my cash in conservative, long-term investment funds as I had requested, my financial advisor had piled my money into these riskier alternatives, promising him greater commissions, 4 to 8% as opposed to 1% to 1.5%. This is where I learned three crucial things about Grant's setup that had really affected my investments from the beginning. First, the meetings with the regulators led me to the DED, the Department of Economic Development, the governing body responsible for issuing the appropriate business licenses. And research on Grant's license, that's when we realised he was misusing his licence. Grant and his company did not hold the correct trading license in that he was not issued a company license where the business activities include dealing with money or advising on money matters and investments. He had set up Prosperity Management Consultancy, but as he was unable to obtain a financial advisory services license, he deceptively traded as Prosperity Offshore Investment Consultants to make investors think they were an investment company. 
Yeah, this is when I started to realize this is no ordinary crime. This is an operation, carefully calculated and orchestrated. He set up both of his companies at the same time in 2004. This is this is not someone who went rogue because they were seduced by the trappings of money and success in the Dubai lifestyle. This is someone who started out as rogue, who met me and others with the intention of deceiving us, forging a friendship with us. Secondly, we discovered he was not qualified in the sense that he doesn't hold the required academic qualifications to be a financial advisor. More of that in the next episode. But the real problem for me was that he was unregulated, which means he and his company are not controlled or supervised by regulation or laws. Despite his marketing collateral and profile stating otherwise, he was not regulated. Companies outside of the DAFC are regulated by the UAE Insurance Authority for insurance-based products and by the Securities and Commodities Authority, the SCA, for investment-based products. He wasn't regulated by either of them. Then I understood why he had invested my money in the type of funds that he did. Yes, commission was a big part of it, but his problem was that he did not hold the correct trading license and traditional blue chip companies conduct business with registered licensed regulated companies and individuals who hold the correct qualifications. Any proper due diligence in Neil Grant and his companies would expose the reality that Prosperity was not licensed nor did it have the competence in investment, financial advisory or any fiduciary role. Therefore, Grant purposely conducted business with new companies in need of immediate investment or did not have the sophisticated knowledge, if we're being generous, of the correct Dubai governing bodies and laws such as the DED and the Insurance Authority or who simply turned a blind eye to it. And the problem for me, of course, now is that it does then lend itself to more questioning of all the details in every part of the relationship and advice that was given to me. So I'm going to pause the story here and in the next episode we will go into the detail of each one of these points, unlicensed, unqualified and unregulated as a first step in picking the right financial advisor and why that is important for you to safeguard your investments. And I have a super guest to explain all of this to us. For more details on this episode, you can download the first chapter of my book if you visit businesssculpting.com forward slash book. See you at the next episode.